And after he finished his training, he actually was really quick. <laughs> but yeah, three weeks of training. And as to be trained, you don't just get put in front of a case to sort and then put on a bike and told to deliver. You actually have someone with you and they become your example. So I followed what he did. He taught me how to sort up into the case, which stuff to sort first, when to tie stuff off, where to take it to, all this sort of thing. And I followed his example because it was the only way I knew of doing things. As I got to know things better, my the way I did things changed. Admittedly, once we got to Paxters, which are those vehicles that you see moving around town now, it changed a lot more. But... Um, we all have our way of doing things, but to start off with, we have an example. And that example is what we follow. Jesus is our example. That's what we're talking about. To understand how Jesus is our example, I think the first thing we need to do is look at who Jesus is and what Jesus does. Or, yeah, who and what Jesus is and does. In John chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles. If you haven't, don't worry, I'll read it. Verses 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shone in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. When it's talking about the word there, it's talking about Jesus. And possibly a better way of putting this would be, in the beginning was the word, and the word is with God, and the word is God. Because he is, exists through all eternity. He didn't become then, change, change, change. He is God, forever God. This follows up. What was said originally in the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Just to have a quick look at that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, and it carries on from there, Jesus said, Jesus spoke. Jesus is God. If you want to understand what God is or who God is, it actually pays to go through the Bible and look at some of the visions that people have had of God. Because he is not just a person like a king or like Queen Elizabeth, sitting on a throne, watching over everything. There's far more to him than that. He is glorious. He is majestic. He makes all the other kings and queens and presidents, prime ministers, whatever, look very, very shallow. He is all powerful. He has, there's no limit to what he can do. See, I've, I've said this before, but part of the reason science can't prove God is because God created science. He's outside the realm of science. They'll never be able to prove him because it's more than they can understand. He is all-knowing. That can be kind of scary. He knows what you did 
at any certain point in time. He knows what you thought, which is really deep. I mean, that's more than just speaking, isn't it? He knows what you thought. Because he said, if you've, if you've thought about a person in the wrong way, if you've hated them, it was like killing them. And you've had that in your heart and in your mind, and God knows it. If you've lusted after someone or something, God knows it. It doesn't surprise him. When it comes to Judgment Day, he's not going to go, oh, what were you thinking about then? He's got it all in his head already. He understands everything. There's not one little thing that he doesn't understand. He doesn't look at the stars and go, how did you get there? It says, he made them, he placed them in the sky, he named them. That's our God, and that's who Jesus is. He is God. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8, it says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So that's our first example that we have of Jesus. He took all that he was, all that he had, all his godhood, and he became nothing. So how did he show this to us? In Matthew chapter 22, and this is where we're going to carry on from, Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus didn't just say these things for the fun of it. He actually lived it out in front of us. The first part, first point today is Jesus loved God. He loved him heaps. How much did he love him? Well, right from an early age... He knew all about God. He went in front of teachers and they went, wow, that's amazing. He knows so much. Obviously, Jesus studied and thought and talked and, you know, he, he wanted to know about God. He showed it through prayer and we read it often that Jesus would go off by himself and he would pray. And he would spend time alone with God because he wanted to be with God. He was obedient to God. It says he was obedient even to death on a, the cross. Kids, you can say you love your parents, but you show it by your obedience. You say it by listening to what they tell you and doing what they tell you. It's not the easiest thing in the world because sometimes we think we know better than our parents. But we show our love 
for appearance by obedience, by listening to what they say and doing what they tell us. So Jesus loved God. He loved him deeply. He loved them so much he would spend as much time as he could with them. And he had disciples and he needed to be with them as well. But he made sure he knew his God. He knew his heavenly Father first. Then the second way that we have there that Jesus showed is love for people. And he showed his love for people through sacrifice and giving. We sometimes have trouble being sacrificial and giving. We, we sang it today, I surrender. That's a sacrifice. We talk about the sacrifice of praise. It's coming before God when we don't feel like it and saying, thank you, God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. We show our love for people by the way that we talk to them, by the way that we treat them. And uh, you go out in the world today, you go to any workplace, and you'll see different people treat their bosses in different ways. You'll see them treat each other in different ways. Because we don't like everybody, let's be honest. We struggle with one another at times, and we just want to let people know how we feel. But as Christians, that's not what we're called to. We're called to love. And uh, Jesus went into the temple once, and he didn't treat the people very well. But this comes back to my first point. Jesus treated them that way because he loved his God. He wasn't worried about his reputation. And he wasn't worried about the reputation of the people. He was worried about the reputation of his God. And we are called to stand up before people as a witness of who God is, how important he is to us, and uh, to let them know, you know, there's, there's a God that we serve. There's a God who is holy, who sits on the throne, who is majestic, and we honour him. At the same time as he was giving those people a hard time, he was loving them. Because in loving and doing what he did, he showed them, you know, there's a God that you need to love, and he loves you so much back. And he was there. If you want to see God in flesh, look at Jesus. We're called to be God with skin on. Jesus gave us the example of it and the way that he loved people. He started at the bottom. He didn't start at the top. He didn't go into the kings and uh, the rulers and all the top priority people. <coughs> Pardon. He went to the bottom, and he was often criticised for it. He went to the people who were pushed aside. When the leper came up to him, he didn't go, leprosy, stay away. I don't want anything to do with you. He talked to him, and he said, be healed. And he healed him, and he sent him off to the priest because he loved him. He taught that it didn't matter if you were a prostitute, it didn't matter if you were an adulterer, adulteress, a tax man. We got any tax men here today? Maybe over in the multi-purpose building. <laughs> Who knows? My brother was a tax man. We didn't look down on him for it. It's a job. It's something that has to be done. 
But back in the days of Israel, they were hated. They were considered pawns of the Roman government. And they were treated with complete disrespect, except disrespect but fear, because they normally had a guard with them, a Roman guard, who looked after them and made sure that they weren't abused. But Jesus loved them. He took tax men as his disciples. He took rebels as his disciples because he loved them all. And you know what? Eventually he did get to the kings and the emperors and the, prof- uh, the well, Pontius Pilate, who was the governor at the time over that area. He started at the bottom and he worked his way to the top, which is pretty much what we're called to do. Reach out to whoever. Once you've got all the poor people, then start working your way up. But most of all, our example from Jesus is reliance on God. He trusted God with everything. He trusted him through his praying because he needed to know God. He knew he needed to know God. He knew on his own he was as human as the rest of us. Temptation would have taken him down if he'd relied on himself, but he relied on God and trust. We have trouble with trust when it comes to God, don't we? Let's be honest. God puts us in some really difficult positions. And I know, Lindy and myself, we've done this. We pray about those positions. We pray about what's going on. And then we make plans. (laughs) So, basically we say, God, do it your way, but here's my way. (laughs) And quite often my way doesn't work, and I have to wait for God to do it his way. And in that I've learnt to trust God. I I find it a lot easier now to pray to God and say, Lord, do it your way, and then go, okay, I'm just going to have to wait and see what you do. Because God has made promises. One of those promises is that all things will work together for good to those or with those who love him and are called according to his purposes. God works things for our good. But what did Jesus relying on God look like? I've written all this down because I couldn't have memorized it. He was born to a carpenter and his young wife. And probably at the start of his life, there was a cloud over his parents about their reputation because he was conceived outside of marriage and someone would have noticed it. And that wasn't a thing that was done in those days. He was chased by an insecure king who was more worried about his position than worshipping the newborn king. Herod was more worried about his dynasty and who would take over from him. He was so worried about it, he killed his own son so that they wouldn't. And then he heard that there was a newborn king, someone who would replace him, come into the world, and he went looking for him, and he was going to kill him. He started his mission by being baptised in water, then by the Holy Spirit, and then taken into the desert 
to train in preparation for his first major struggle with the devil. That wouldn't have been easy. It was 40 days and 40 nights of praying and fasting. And you know we talk about desert experiences and how God's not there in those desert experiences, but guess what? He's never been closer to you than in the, des in the desert. He's been carrying you. He's been waiting for you to stand on your faith and go, you've made a promise that you would never leave me or forsake me. I'm in a desert, but you're here with me and you're watching over me. And yes, it does feel like times God isn't talking to us, God isn't comforting us, God isn't helping us. God is letting us struggle. But he's actually right there carrying you and saying, I'm here, I'm with you, I love you. I find the best thing to do in desert experiences is actually to worship. And in Jesus' desert experience, he needed to spend time with God because he was about to go through one of the biggest struggles he would ever have, and that was facing Satan for the first time. And going through temptations, because he knew what lay ahead of him, he knew about the cross, he knew how painful it was going to be. He knew the abuse he was going to go through. He knew the whipping. He knew it all. He knew he was going to be laid bare. And he was going to have nails knocked into his hands and his feet. And Satan's offer to give him all the king kingdoms of the earth, or basically give him the earth for nothing, would have been really tempting. And in his humanness, well, any one of us would have gone, yes, I'll do it, I'll just worship you and I'll be free of any of the pain. But no, he stood the test and he came through victorious. He learnt God's word because he spoke God's word. So as an example for us there, pray and read God's word. You know, they say memorize God's word. I've, I've remembered a lot of things from God's word, from reading them and not necessarily committing them to memory, but God brings them back to my memory. And I can quote verses to you, but I couldn't tell you where they came from, <laughs> but I know the verses in the Bible. And you know what? The Bible wasn't written with chapters and verses. <laughs> It was just written for us to learn about God and who he is. He took 12 men, one of whom he knew would eventually betray him, and the rest would desert him, and one of them would even deny him and say he never knew him. 12 people. You, you think you can trust people, don't you? <laughs> 12 of them. I tell you what, the more people there are, the less... Less likely you are to trust all of them. But Jesus knew what each one of them would do. And he knew what each one of them would be in the future. And he trusted it in that future. He knew he would be beaten, whipped, abused and crucified. That's what I said before. He didn't go into it with his eyes shut going, oh, I hope this isn't too painful. What's the whip for? What's the rod for? What are you calling me that for? What have I done wrong? He knew it was all going to happen. 
He knew that he would take upon himself the sin of the whole world and all its different forms. And if you look at society today, you know, if we look at go outside and look at the streets and the people, we think, yeah, they're not too bad. Yeah, they've got their problems, they lie a bit, they steal, they do things that are wrong. But there's been some horrific things done that we're not even aware of at times. The way people have treated each other over the years, the hurt that they have done, words that have been said that have stabbed so deeply that it's changed their whole life and changed their whole opinion of themselves. People that have gone... I don't like these ones. I'm going to get rid of them. Hitler. He killed six million Jews and not just gassed them all. There was all sorts of cruel ways that he did it. It wasn't always fast. It was never nice. But not just those. You even go back into the deep dark past of Babylon, Persia. They all knew how to torture people and hurt them. And yet Jesus took all those things, all that hate, all that, all those evil thoughts that they'd thought beforehand, all those ways that they'd devised to hurt people, and he took it all onto his body, onto himself, and he died for it all. And after that, for the first time in eternity, he would be completely, 100% separated from his heavenly father. It had never happened before. But in that moment, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you deserted me, basically? Why have you left me? Why have you turned away from me? What have I done that's so bad? But God couldn't look at his son covered in the sins of the world. And it hurt him. After that, he entered hell. He entered the realm of hell. No one wants to go there now. Never did. Everyone wanted to go to a, some sort of paradise, somewhere that they would never have to suffer, that they would never have to be in any sort of pain. But Jesus went there, and there he relieved Satan of all his authority. And he did all this because through it all, he relied on his father's promise that he would redeem all of humanity from the threat of hell and that through God's power he would be raised to life again. He would ascend to heaven triumphant over sin and death and he would take his rightful place at the right hand of the father. And most of all, that the sacrifice that he had made would cover the sins of the whole earth and that we would be saved and able to go into his kingdom and be with him forever. Jesus suffered a lot. We think we suffer. I look at what Jesus went through and I think I even don't know the half of it. He said, foxes have places to live. I don't even have anywhere to lay my head while he was out ministering. He would have known times when he went hungry. We worry about not having three meals a day. Yeah, there would have been days he would have gone without food. There were probably more than one in a row. Admittedly, he did fast 40 days and 40 nights, but that was also by choice. 
but there would be other times when it, there just wasn't the food there for him. So what does it look like for us to rely on God? Well, I can't say, because your story is your story. You are all going to go through different things. You are all going to feel and hurt in different ways. But there are promises that God has made to us, just like he made them to Jesus. You know, he promised Jesus, you won't stay in the grave. I'm going to raise you again. Well, he's made us promises. He's promised to never leave us or forsake us. He's promised that if we seek him and his kingdom, righteousness, that he would add all the things that we need to us, our food, our clothes. He's made other promises as well of security, of hope, eternity. That's a big one. Eternity. When you die, do you know where you're going? Do you know what God's got planned for you? I know what God's got planned for me. He's forgiven me. He's going to look at me and go, oh, you look just like my son. You look just like Jesus. He's covered your sin. And now you look more like him than you ever have. <laughs> because we have Jesus living within us. I'm going to get the music group to come forward. So remember... Our example is Jesus. His example was obedience and sacrifice out of love for his God and his heavenly Father. It was love for people. It's not easy to love people, but it's a command. It's an action as well. We choose each day to love one another. We choose to love those who aren't lovable. And most of all, we rely on God because he is faithful in everything. He is true in everything. And, uh, you know, the hardest thing about reliance is you have to let go. You have to get lo let go of your own will. You have to let go of your own plans. Um, everyone says if you don't aim at a target, you'll never hit it. And yet, I've actually found that quite often I don't aim at targets, but I hit things because God leads me and guides me. He set targets up for me. And I don't achieve hitting goals. I achieve achieving something, like standing up here and preaching. <laughs> now, all of these are achievements. And each day is an achievement. Looking after my family was an achievement. So celebrate those things. God